Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Now, I have to be honest with you, this conversation took place back in May of 2021, but I just never got around to airing the conversation. Now, while I regret not airing it closer to the time that we had the conversation, it's actually really a very timely mistake because recently on social media, I've been sharing how we actually didn't just pay off $20,000 in seven months. We've paid off over $28,000 in under 12 months. And so as we are nearing on the one year anniversary, October 1st, when we started our budget, um, I've been sharing a little bit more on social media and people started asking how, how have we done this? And so I've shared our budget tracker, which really is a spreadsheet. If you're not a spreadsheety kind of person, don't worry, I am not either. Um, so I actually invited my husband to do a live Zoom with me so that we could explain kind of how we do the spreadsheet. But really, it's so much more than it is about a budget. It's about so much more than that. And so that's part of what we unpack in this episode. We talk about kind of how we set ourselves up for success when it came to making a budget and keeping a budget because we had made budgets in the past. We just never kept them and and nothing really changed. So we unpack some of that in this episode. And then I will record one with Brendan a little bit later on and we'll we'll air another one that is is closer to even what we've learned since May. Because as we have gone through a whole year of being on a budget, we've discovered there's just sort of ebbs and flows to the year. We understand Christmas is going to be more expensive. Well, we realized, hey, the summer, not only is the summer more expensive, but also we had a really hard time meeting weekly. And so the the key here is what is going to help set us up for success to be able to make this work. And that's going to look a little bit different for each person, each couple, each family, Um, But this has worked for us. So at this point, we are now at the end of September. It's been a whole year that we've been on this budget. We've paid off $28,000. We have more to go, um, but we're excited to share that with people. So there is a link in the show notes to get our budget tracker. And then um, after you sign up from there, I can send you the Zoom replay of how we explained how to use the budget tracker Um, but also I'm just going to be emailing out some tips on things that have worked for us, things that we're learning in terms of, um, saving money, but also we, we not only want to pay down debt and save money, we really want to grow our money and have our money work for us. So I hope you enjoy the conversation that I had with my husband a few months back about how we paid off $20,000 in seven months and now over 28,000 in 12 I trust this is going to help you move one step closer to thriving. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Now I'm sitting here with my 
favorite guest of all, my husband, Brandon Widener. And if you caught episode 82, we talked about, that was six months ago, we talked about where we were at with our finances. And I think the title was like, need to get out of debt, us too. And so I thought it'd be really fun. We've made actually quite a bit of progress when it comes to our financial goals. And I thought this would be a great time, not only to give you an update of like, hey, this is where we're at, but actually to share some of the behind the scenes, what we have done, how we've gotten the kind of progress that we've gotten. And um, hopefully that will help you, especially if you feel like, I don't really feel like I'm thriving in my finances right now, because that's where we found ourselves before we started this process. So, Brendan, thank you for coming back on the podcast. Thanks for having me back on. I was worried I might not get asked for another invitation, so it's it's an honor. So true. Barely made it last time. Um, okay, so if you didn't catch episode 82, or if it's feeling like it's six months of fuzziness, let's just do a super quick recap, just letting people know kind of where we were at with our finances and what sparked our... Um, new financial goals yeah going back to let's say last spring about 12 months ago we had a conversation that was centered around our current home which we've been very grateful for we've been in it nine years at that point and we're just wondering out loud frequently to each other could we possibly afford something bigger love our neighborhood so potentially in our neighborhood but something that would be wider and have more room for our family as they get older so we started to crunch numbers and look and see. And as we did that, we came across some realities that we had a fair bit to go still talking to mortgage brokers and those things, but then also just realizing we were carrying a bit of an albatross in this debt that was consumer debt. It was line of credit kind of based stuff that was in the tens of thousands. And so if we couldn't get out from underneath that, it'd be really hard for us to go after something bigger. And I think another uh, element in all this is both of us a little bit independently until we compared notes, we're starting to feel like the Holy Spirit was pressing upon each of us in quiet times. In my case, they were conversations I didn't initiate with God. They felt like they birthed out of his desire to talk to me about finances. Going back to early 2020, where it was these bold comments around a desire from God to wipe out our debt and to actually be providing in such a big way that it would clear out some of these debts. So I think when those all started to weave together, late summer, we got a copy, well, we'd had it for years, but we started to crack a copy of Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. I read it, got convicted to the point of, we got to do this. And then Jacqueline read it maybe a couple weeks later, had a good conversation to say, okay, are we serious? And September, we prepped it all in October we hit the ground running with a spreadsheet and we got gazelle intense as Dave Ramsey likes to say about getting out of debt so that we would be properly positioned to go after that house when we would be ready and probably wouldn't be ready unless we started to take some of these lean and mean approaches to our finances just getting really serious right and I think one of the things I want to talk about today is that we do have an exciting number so it the podcast aired six months ago, but we've been doing this process for seven months. And I was like, you know, our financial wins actually aren't just this number of paying off the debt. That's like one metric. But we have so many other things that have actually come as a result of us 
focusing on our finances. So we're going to unpack that a little bit as well. But um, it's actually pretty incredible that we have now, in the seven months we've been working on this, paid off over $20,000 in debt. And for the most part, the main reason we've done this is just by having a budget. Like somebody worded it recently where it was like a budget is a plan. And I think what I realized in this process is that for most of my shopping, whether it's groceries, clothes, something online, whatever it might be, I always, always went with my gut, right? And I don't know if you've ever done this where you're like, I'm buying a purchase and I'm like checking with my gut. Like, yeah, I think we need this. This is wise. It's on sale. Like all, those are all the filters I go through. And sometimes you feel great about it, especially at the store. You're like, I feel amazing about this. And sometimes you come home and you're like, okay, ooh, do we need this? Do I already have one of those? Like, and so that I think really has been our mode of operation for so long. We um, haven't been crazy with our money over these 15 years. Uh, we've done some really wise um, and smart things with our money. And so I think that's that's the other piece where it's like, we're not like total idiots when it comes to our money, but in some ways we just weren't paying attention and we didn't have a plan. And so I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to. Um, if you're just going along again, you're like, we're just trying to, we're trying to do our best. We're trying to buy the things that are on sale. We're trying to be wise in these decisions. Um, but still sometimes we're just making decisions based on our gut. And so what I have found, I was very, very, very resistant to having money conversations. Um, I had a lot of fear and anxiety when it came to money conversations. I think in some ways it was probably similar to like going to the dentist where I was like, I'm just going to get bad news. It's going to, it's going to be restrictive and, and it's going to cost me something. And, um, but what I've realized is that having a budget has actually given me more freedom. Uh, for example, a few months ago, I went to get my hair done and it was very expensive, like way more expensive than I would ever humanly like possibly want to pay getting my hair done. But I was like, you know what? We've got it in the budget. Like we had planned for it. And so with the budget, it doesn't mean that we don't get to do fun things or great things. We're going to talk about that as well. It just means we've planned for them and we've we've accounted for where our money is going to go. Um, so the $20,000 is huge. Um, Brendan, tell me a little bit about, um, well, first off, actually, I want to go back to when we first set ourselves up for success, because I actually think that is a key in this. We created a budget and what that looked like was, first of all, finding out, okay, what are our real numbers, right? We started to pay attention, like, what what are we paying for these things each month? Sometimes I'm surprised and I'm like, I don't feel like it should cost this. And that's again a challenge when we're only going with a gut feel because we have an idea of what something should cost, but the reality can be different. So we got a hold of what our real numbers were. And then we also began to plug in our real numbers into a monthly budget. And then we realized if we're going to succeed in this, we actually need to meet once a week and kind of keep those stats. So what would you say about the way we set ourselves up for success? Well, I do think a significant part of our financial journey, since people could be listening to this with all sorts of experiences and histories, and if they're in a marriage, 
trying to do finances as a couple. They may have one person who's more financial savvy and on it and pays bills online and one who's maybe more adverse. And so for me, I have been the person through our whole marriage who's been on it financially. And some of that comes more naturally to me as do spreadsheets and administrative roles, but it doesn't mean that I've always been super perfectly on top of it. Otherwise we wouldn't have racked up enough consumer debt that we could pay off 20,000 of it and we still have a big chunk to go that we're stoked on that huge progress. So I think one of the biggest things in reading the Tonal Money Makeover book <clears throat> back in late September would have been um, me realizing I needed to talk to Jacqueline in a way that would invite her into the process um, to have her be able to warm up at her speed and then say, what is it going to look like and how can we figure out this together? So I would say having a clear step plan like Dave Ramsey provides is big. Having a budget is huge as you just, um, you know, emphasized a few moments ago. And then you also highlighted the regular meeting. I would say those three together are what you're going to need to put some oomph behind your goal. Like if your goal is to get somewhere financially, if you don't have the tools or whatever you want to call them that are realistically going to get you there, your finances do not get better when you don't open up your bank account or your credit card statement. They just get worse because they get disorganized, they get sloppy and, you know, gross things grow in the dark where you're not looking. And even if you use a pretty good, I'm not too extravagant gut system. So I would say those were really big. And especially for Jacqueline, for you being someone that didn't historically like money conversations to say, okay, I'm going to grin and bear it. I'm going to put myself in these meetings and I'm going to do some habits, maybe like hitting the gym or, you know, getting out there to jog when the, the weather's cold and you don't feel like your body feels awesome, but you're like, I know this is the right thing. There's a little bit of that, I think, in a financial process. It's the same for setting a budget, same for doing a regular meeting. If you were single and you're thinking, I don't have a person to meet with my finances about, you probably could draw a friend into it that you trust. But even just saying, and I've seen this in leadership and business things around personal accountability, even having a regular appointment with yourself, looking at, okay, where are we at? What's the progress? Where are the adjustments? And so I think those weekly meetings most of them um, have gone pretty well. Some of them have gotten frustrations up or the meeting style wasn't great for both of us. have had adjustments along the way, but I, I think that's a huge part is having a rhythm or a cadence where you say, okay, we're not going to turn a blind eye. We're going to keep looking at this, looking at this. And so, and even what Jacqueline said a few moments ago about budgets, like we, we did have one previously for years, we have years of financial data of our spending thanks to Mint, which is a great tool, but we never used it in a way that said, how much money do I have left with eight days left in the month? And so with that, us having a sheet that shows it, that has a countdown system of saying, you started with $1,000 for groceries, now there's eight days left, you have $124. And you think, well, I was just gonna go pick up all the things that are on sale at Costco or wherever, but realistically you say, Mm, what if we waited until the first of the month to pick up those bigger items and we just got some eggs, milk, produce, and um, something for dinner tomorrow night in the meanwhile. And so I think 
having those tools that allow you to keep adjusting on the fly and be in sync and keep reviewing the numbers even when they don't feel awesome i think some of those have played a huge role yeah and i want to touch on that for a second because i think um looking back at some of our weekly meetings where they started to now seven months later where they are are vastly different because for our first meeting we were like we know we want to meet weekly we have no idea what this is supposed to look like and our first few meetings started with brendan running them he loves meetings and um, i got very frustrated in those meetings and so we ended up trying something totally different where i was like let's have jacqueline run the meeting and i'm like great let's get in and out really quickly um so we ended up kind of working out some of those frustrations along the way and figuring out what what do we actually need to have in this weekly meeting what is going to help us towards our goals and so um i think that is just just a bit of encouragement if it doesn't feel like it's working right away it didn't for us either but we've gotten into a really good rhythm and i think like when Brennan refers to the grocery budget, I was hanging out with a friend a few months ago and there was, I don't know, maybe a week left in the month and um, we were talking about what we were going to do later and I was like, well, we have $268 left in our grocery budget. So, and I surprised myself. I was like, wow, I actually know exactly how much money I have left of this month um, to spend on groceries and that has never happened before. And that's where I would say the budget is freedom because I'm like, I can go, I, I have the freedom to spend whatever I want. I can buy any kind of groceries I want anytime within those parameters. But it also helps me, um, I think, be really more mindful about what the things are that we are going to buy. And so it definitely hasn't necessarily been easy at different times, especially as Brendan says, like, oh, there's some months where you're like, it doesn't feel like we're making progress or it doesn't feel like things feel like they're moving slowly or or they're just discouraging. And so being able to meet weekly and kind of work through that has been really helpful. Um, the other thing I would say is mindset shifts um, have been huge along the way. And in some ways, being open to what does it look like to do things a little bit differently. And one of the challenges for myself, again, having often bought things based on gut or like, I happen to be in this place, especially as like a busy mom when you're like, I... I'm here now. It's on sale now. Like I want to get it now. And so that's where, again, learning to trust each other and say, it makes sense to purchase this item now. Or I would even say you're going to learn a ton uh, when you make a mistake, when you quote unquote fail. Um, that's actually a great way to learn um, how to improve your spending habits. Because when you purchase something and you're like, oh, I could have waited till next month, or I actually could have saved up till I could pay for this in cash. Um, it's a good lesson for you to learn internally that I think actually is going to be better for you in the long haul. And one thing I've shared um, on this podcast a few times is that I feel like this process of us learning to really steward our money well um, isn't just a process for getting out of debt. So you might be here like listening going, debt isn't my problem, but maybe I don't feel great about the way we're spending money. Like we have it, but I'm, we're not really spending it with um, purpose. And so I would say the thing that we're learning right now is really how to be purposeful in our spending. 
and in the resource we have and we call that stewardship and so I feel like whether we're paying off debt or we're in a place where we are building wealth and that's our goal to be you know like building wealth for um, our family but really to be incredibly generous and I think sometimes especially in the Christian world um, I mean there's a lot of a lot of money um, baggage and issues and various things but um, you know again in the Bible where it says it's like about the love of money and it's not necessarily pursuing um, being a good steward of money isn't pursuing you know that love of money but understanding like we have generous hearts now we're going to steward that the money we have well now we're going to keep stewarding it well when we have more of it and I want to segue there even into this idea of like um, tithing stewarding money well so can you just explain some of that process that might be something new for people listening but like how has that even changed for us in this process yeah I think tithing is something that we we struggled to practice early in our marriage. We were probably giving some percentage, maybe not always consistently to our local church, if anything, probably to friends who were missionaries or working for, you know, I work for Young Life, so we're connected to a lot of people who work for Young Life, so you end up donating to them. But you're not really intentionally doing it. And I think of as someone who's tried to become more educated in stock investing and trying to understand what a portfolio is and how you invest in it, there's these wisdom strategies that people talk about related to that, where it's like, oh, you want to have, you know, a balance of certain things that you're giving to, and you want to have really intentionality about how you're generating wealth. And I think there's actually very similar principles in play with tithing and giving, where you say, I want to really, like the same way we want to put money into, because we're in Canada, an RSP that can grow and build interest for the long haul. The same reason we'd want to put things away in a TFSA, which again is another Canadian tax saving um, tool for building wealth. Well, what would it look like to build wealth in a kingdom sense with how we're, we're developing this portfolio? And so, A, you can start with some really good biblical principles, and then you can also pair those with the leading, prompting, and convicting of the Holy Spirit. And so I think that's Partly what I felt like our journey has been over the last maybe eight to 10 years. I couldn't really put my finger exactly when we moved into tithing. Tithing being the idea that you would give 10% of your income towards the kingdom of God. And a lot of people express that in the local church they're a part of. Some people will then give to other Christian organizations or feeding people, feeding the homeless locally or abroad. Um, helping people hear the good news about Jesus. That's generally the kinds of categories people would consider as part of their tithe and offering offerings or giving in general. And some people might nuance and say, you know, your 10% tithe should just be your local church. And so there's, you know, people would interpret that differently. But for us, as we um, kind of leaned into it and, and kept looking at it and thinking about it more, I think it was just this idea and this awareness of, and hearing someone talk, talk on it recently, the idea of like, God has given you everything. And we are just stewarding the things, including our children, this home, our finances. And so he's entrusted us. And part of the demonstration that you are a good steward, that the owner, if you're the manager, can really trust you with more, is there's an ability for them to ask for whatever they need back since they really own it all. And so that tithe or first fruits, the first 10%, is kind of this 
expression with your finances that you understand the way the world truly works underneath it all spiritually physically integrated in a god is our creator way and so that is something we have been practicing it's one of those things that once upon a time i remember feeling convicted that i hadn't got there yet and so and once i did it was like one of those like oh, okay now i can take the next challenge that god is giving me the next call to obedience and so I feel like for us in this season, as we were getting more intense around finances and we were doing things like this debt that we we're paying down and it's considerable, it's in the tens of thousands. I wonder if we could get a better interest rate. Holy cow, we just dropped. Like one of our lines of credit was at six and a half percent and now we're paying it off at two and a half percent. And it costs us nothing to do that other than a call to the bank. You're like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. So please, as an aside, if you have any kind of debt, um, look into abilities to lower it by just talking to your bank or talking to the credit card company. Um, so that's one way to alleviate some pain. But in a similar way where you're getting intense around like, oh, how could we save? How could we grow? How could we save? How could we grow? So we just started to look at our giving and saying, are these things that we're giving to what we still feel called to give to? Is there anywhere in our portfolio the Holy Spirit would say, you bless us for a season. It's a great ministry. It's a great person. It's a great cause but i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you now to reallocate this percentage over here and be like okay what does it look like to in wisdom or in you know the the still still small voice leading you in your heart and so we made some changes there we also realized oh we got and this is i think a helpful and honest part of our big pay down of debt is we were able to put a big chunk so of the twenty thousand, uh, we were able to get over eight thousand of that paid down from our tax return we got right at the end of March. And so of that though, we really realized, okay, before anything happens, we want to tie 10% of that right away. And where is that going? Where is that going? That might be a special thing that we're doing or catching up. Uh, if we've had a bigger percentage of our giving going to missionaries to go to our local church. And so I think around that sort of intensity, just realize this is our best way to say, God, yes, we could Imagine our head like, oh, what if what if we'd paid down a little bit more debt instead of tied in X? We still have given a decent amount this year. Just realizing, no, there is no part of us that doesn't want to fall under God's principles where he says, I can trust you. And if he can trust us, he can get it to us and we can get it to where it needs to go from us. And we can be okay with other timelines. And even doing this, it's been a really joy for a big joy for me. I wanted to get our kids set up saving money to as they got you know money from grandparents or we do bottle returns as a family and we give them the cash all 24 dollars and 60 cents of it and they split it up because they help sort the bottles at the depot but then for them to get their share they're eight dollars each and then to say okay of the eight dollars 80 cents we give back to god here's an easy way to do it you give me your 80 cents because i give you all these coins and i'll go on the online website and here's their donation collectively two dollars and 40 cents from the three of you to our local church and then what does it look like for the portion of this that you want to put into your long-term savings account and then keep the rest for lols and candy or whatever you're saving up for and so i think just realizing that is so significant and i would say all of this financially has really been a god-centered process for us that feels like oh this is part of something that the holy spirit is talking to us uh, about in our solitude time when we're alone with him in the practicalities as we're making decisions okay pay this down or this down right now and i think that's a huge part of the journey and that's why tithing is a way of saying god this is all yours 
The fact we're even in this house that we now want a bigger one of was entirely your provision 10 years ago, and it felt like a miracle then. So now let us demonstrate in our obedience that we trust you for every new miracle you're going to bring. Well, I think um, that's a great point because I think so much of so much of this process, I would say, has been Holy Spirit led in just from the initial like those nudges. I just remember probably like a year and a half ago feeling like, OK, I've got this podcast ready to thrive. I am not thriving in my finances. How do we get there? Um, but to be honest, that first step of um, starting to turn and face them and face the reality that like, this isn't where I want to be. Um, and I have to face this like that was, that was a hard, painful process for us to sit down and, and really kind of work that stuff out. I feel much more encouraged now, seven months later, I'm like, whoo, okay, I'm, I'm bought in and um, we've gone through some really hard things to get here but I want to say as well um, we had conversations where I would be like you know what would be great like winning the lottery like that would be great like we think about these quick and easy wins and yet it is the process of making a plan like making a budget those are the ways that it's not just helping us with our financial goals the discipline here is really um it's it's building something within each of us that I think is really part of um, God's bigger plan for our lives. But we've also had miraculous provision. So a few weeks ago, uh, I was talking to Brendan about how our kids have been eating so many strawberries. They were wanting strawberries in the lunch, strawberries after school, and we were just flying through strawberries. I was like, Brendan, we cannot have 10% of our budget on strawberries. Like we can't, we just can't buy strawberries anymore. 10% of our grocery budget. Yes, totally. Um, And so that was on, I think, on a Sunday. And then a day or two later, a girlfriend posted on Facebook, hey, I've got some strawberries. And she's connected to um, a community kitchen that receives like perishable donations. They try to get out to the community members in need. And when they can't, when they've given them to the members in need or or they just can't get them out to them, they'll sometimes say like, hey, who else would like to pick something up? And so she advertised, hey, I've got some strawberries. I was like, I'll just go by and like, I'm thinking I'll pick up like a carton or two. Well, she hands me nine flats of strawberries. Like I think I had not just a carton or two. I'm pretty sure I had like 90 cartons. And so I was giving them away to every single person I knew. I'm like, here's three cartons for you. Here's three cartons for you. And it just reminded me of this moment where it was like, I didn't, I didn't pray. I didn't say, Hey God, you know, I really love is like, a whole lot of free strawberries this week um yet it was he knows our needs and provided above and beyond like abundantly more than i could ask or imagine and so that was i think on the wednesday and then on the um that same sunday i had taken our oldest daughter to buy a few new clothes and really hadn't bought her anything i think in this entire budgeting process we hadn't needed anything we were good to go but i was like hey spring and summer are upon us She's the oldest. She's going to need a few new clothes. And um, so we bought her a few things. And again, I was like, okay, we've got the money. We've got the budget. That's where it feels like there's freedom in it because we've got this money to spend. Um, And then Friday morning, I arrived at work and a friend of mine gave me three garbage bag size full of clothes, not only that fit her, but also her younger sister as well. And again, it was 
like stuff that is really good condition above and beyond. And I was like, God, you, again, you knew our need before we'd even asked for it. And so there has been a lot of provision like that along the way, um, whether it's provision in terms of um, just some extra money coming our way from random places, um, extra strawberries, various things like that. But I would also say there's also been provision in terms of ideas. Like Brendan mentioned this idea of um, calling the bank to get a lower interest rate. And I would say for a season, it almost felt like every week there was a new idea or something that was coming at us. It was like, hey, we can save a ton of money doing this. Hey, we can save a ton of money doing this. And so can you just unpack that concept of dominoes of intensity? Yeah, I think for me, I got very motivated in this process, even though we had such a deep hole to climb out of in terms of our debt. And so that was easily a number that could have been overwhelming. And I, we haven't really said it, but it was basically close to 80,000. So that's kind of goofy. And we, I mean, we could do a whole story on how we got there, but we're there and now we're digging out. But in the process, I would go for a lot of walks, partly because it was winter time and it's you know, been a COVID world. And so it's a great way to get fresh air and get outdoors and be healthier and connected to nature and use that time to think, reflect, pray. I wouldn't bring a phone or headphones, which is just a little tip for getting some mental sanity in your day. It's just enjoy nature for itself. But when I was walking, I would be thinking about the financial situation. And I also wrestle with it. And even Jacqueline at times was like, should I be worried? You seem to be thinking and talking about money all the time. And I was like, yes, Jesus, is this me like obsessing? Am I falling in love with money? But I realized I was in deficit. Yes, financially, but I was also in deficit in terms of skill, wisdom, knowledge. And so the same way that I've got out of those deficits in my work life or my health or other places, like I just need to think about this a lot study it, understand it, get my head around it, and actually use some of these walks, or I'd be sitting on a Saturday morning with a notepad, drinking my coffee, um, just thinking, how could we possibly, I wonder if we could, maybe if we did it this way. And I could be at times, yes, a bit of an overthinker, and so that may not be your personality, but I just felt like that gazelle intensity, if we're, that's Dave Ramsey's like metaphor, if you're like an animal being chased by a lion in the wild, and you do whatever it takes, that intensity allowed me to discover things. And sometimes I felt like the Holy Spirit was leaving breadcrumbs. Other times they would be dead ends of just being like, oh, what if we could, no, that wouldn't work. That would violate the principle of not borrowing more money. Or no, that wouldn't work because realistically I need to have work-life balance and I can't take on more hours and there's other parts of my job. And so just to keep thinking it through, but then I would find things like ways to pay the debt down faster, ways to save money on interest. And that, Domino of intensity, like one of the things that Dave Ramsey talks about often in his books, and I think when he does his podcasts and videos, is this idea that once you get intense on your budget and you're paying down debt, you will just find more money. You'll just find more to go faster. And when you're reading that the first time, you're like, that makes no sense to me. I don't, if the money was already there, you would already have it. Why would it just magically appear? Because you're thinking about it a lot. And I would say, Jacqueline, I can testify it's incredibly true. It's ridiculous the places money has come out of from twice. When does this ever happen? I mean, maybe in COVID, free checks of money from the government where you're like, uh, okay, we'll put that towards debt. Or people being generous to us. 
or uh, a mini promotion when we didn't think a promotion was possible or using the same gazelle intensity of creativity i thought that was a really nice tax return would it be possible to not let the government save my money for 12 months that we don't get interest on could they actually just pay me more and not reduce the tax or reduce the tax they pay me right now so all of those things came out of this intensity of saying this is my problem i need to solve it i'm not good at it we're we're gonna need to talk think read talk to other wise people and just kind of work and chew and chew on this problem till we get some traction and that first month we paid down zero dollars of debt and i was ready to quit or throw the computer because i just thought we were working so hard but we were laying track laying foundation that would enable us to get a little bit of speed and then get a little bit more and then and get a bit more and to even come off of the biggest month we had in March of paying down debt, we paid, as we said, about over $8,000. Well, we just did our second highest debt pay down in April. And a big part of it was being able to do the tax maneuver that we did and getting so gazelle intense and planning for things. So I think that's one of the piece I would say is if you start this process for wherever it is, as whether you're getting out of debt or really building wealth, there's a real opportunity by putting your mind to something that deserves your attention as a good steward, not to be rich and famous or throw money away on, on extravagant things, but just say, oh, what I want to do the most I can with what's been entrusted to me. And that's going to require me flexing these muscles. And one last piece I'll say is I think, and Dave Ramsey, again, to give him lots of credit, does a great job of this. He talks a lot about how your income is your greatest wealth generator. And when I first read that the first few times, I was like, I think you're just saying the same thing. Your money is your money. Your money is your greatest way to get money. And I was like, this is, you've added no new information. But what he means by your income is your greatest, it's like you already earn a certain amount. And yes, he'll encourage people who just really need to figure out a way to make extra money. A lot of times it's actually understanding how to unlock the wealth in it by budgeting, by cutting places or putting off healthily or finding creative ways to get books from libraries or do other sorts of things or not buy fast food. And so I actually have this uh, investment interest in stocks that I was uh, referenced a moment ago. And so I actually thought a really big day for our portfolio of stock investments, which is modest and has been a way to try and, you know, start to build our family wealth, even while we had this debt back in September, I remember it was battery day. It was a Tesla related, like, Oh, all the new companies that are going to help the, these electric vehicle batteries. And I remember thinking, battery day is big. And almost like the Holy Spirit had been whispering, like September 22nd is so big. I was like, yeah, because some of the stocks I have are going to, I don't know, go up a hundredfold. And that's how we'll pay out of debt. And that the exact opposite went. It was a hyped event that my stocks tanked and they didn't do well. And I was like, and you know, I looked back and realized September 22nd was when we had our first ever budget meeting where Jack and I sat down for the first time with a spreadsheet and talked about our three things. We want to get out of debt. We want to buy a bigger house. We don't want to be in bondage to our finances. And I felt like it was the Holy Spirit's big stamp to say, your budgeting process of doing more with what you already have, that is your pathway to stewardship, to wealth generation and getting out of debt. And I think we can greatly underestimate and just feel like, well, if I had their income, if I had their money, a lot of time, what we have, we're just not understanding and stewarding it. And it's a journey of days, weeks, and months to really lean into it. Yeah, I think that's, it's a hard truth 
that um, really working with what we have. And I mean, I think in some ways that what budgeting does is it's the paying attention instead of the death by a thousand cuts. Because, you know, we we didn't have a big toy to sell because we don't buy big toys. Like we don't have a jet ski or anything really fancy. Um, so that hasn't been able to help us out. But we, even in our, you know, frugalness, we were able to rack up, you know, quite a bit of debt. But it, it can be just that paying attention of, you know what, I'm, I'm picking up a fast food burger today and instead making the hard choice to say, no, I'm, I'm not buying anything to eat out. I'm actually making my lunch every single day. Um, and there's something, oh, the library book. You know, we, again, not big shoppers, but we would always buy books on Amazon. And so um, Brendan's done such a great job of that, of getting a library card and, and, and just being able to make those small adjustments um, really is, I think it's powerful that what it's doing inside of us. I would also say, I see the, I see the trickle down effect for our kids as we have these conversations about finances, you know, they have their bank accounts, but also they're deeply invested in this process with us. And I do try to be careful in my wording. Like if I'm out with them, I don't want to say things like, we don't have the money to buy this thing. I don't want to create a poverty mentality. I want to say to them, we are choosing like carefully what we want to spend our money on. And they have not been deprived. And one of the other things is we've actually paid. Um, we've already paid for um, trips that we're going on in the summer, hopefully, um, if the world lets us. Um, we've already paid for them. We've never done that in our lives. Um, we've increased. We have this wedding fund um, with three girls. And I think we talked about that before on the podcast, but we've actually increased what we've put towards that. We have an educational fund for the kids. Like there's things that we're doing that are really wise, but we've actually just grown in our wisdom when it comes to finances. And I would give Brendan like 99% of the credit for being the um, lead on that um, and just getting us going, but also, you know, leading us in understanding the last thing I want to touch on is that he he mentioned just this idea that we can kind of get stuck in this place of um, blame. And I think we can, for me, I could blame, I could blame him like, oh, you're not, you're not making as much as my friend's husband. Or I could blame the area we live in um, that, you know, trying to buy a new home in this, a different home in this area is like impossible. So I could blame the area that we're stuck in and or that we're not stuck here, but the area that we live in. And it's easy to get stuck in those places instead of like Brendan said, realizing, wow, I have like, for me, I work part-time, but I actually have the ability to pick up extra shifts at work. I actually have the ability. That's such a great option in my job. And so moving from a place of like blame and I'm stuck here to what can I do here in this situation um, is a really helpful mindset shift um, because blaming others for our financial position um, isn't going to help us financially. So, so much of this, I think, 
um, is mindset stuff that we don't have time to get into all of it tonight. But I hope that's helpful, sharing a bit of our process, a bit of our journey, a bit of the behind the scenes. We're super excited. Our financial meetings now tend to be very short, I'd say like 10 minutes, where we're just doing a little bit of an update. Um, Where are things at again? Understanding where we're at. Groceries uh, for the month, that's a big one. Um, But they're encouraging because it's like, you know what? We're doing it. Like the the debt snowball is starting to get karate chopped. And when that debt snowball is gone, it becomes a wealth snowball. That's the thing is that we go from paying down all this money every month to actually having that money work for us. And so that really is, it's a big driver. And Brendan mentioned our why. There's actually three things that we will say every week, as cheesy as it is at our financial meeting, that we want to get out of debt We want to buy a bigger home and really get out of the bondage that our finances have had us in. And so we share our why every single week. We keep that forefront of mind um, because that is going to help us all week long as we consider how we are spending our money. Brennan, is there anything you'd share as we wrap up? Well, Jacqueline, you made this comment to me sometime in the last week about what it's like when you observe someone who's free. And I think free can mean someone who is really living into the their true self that God created them to be. When someone is free in the sense of being able to run and, and, and not be hindered by things that could tie them up or tangle them as you have that book on, you know, the baggage and the emotional weight. And I think... I don't know, finances, I'm going to say top three, top two, entanglement area. There's a reason that the gazelle is trying to get away. There's even a verse in scripture again, uh, Dave Ramsey references it, of like a gazelle getting away from a trap or a snare. And I think that's what can finances can be to us. And there's probably some people in our life, depending on our network. Yes, there's people you probably know who have wealth and it's, you know, you can observe it. I think there's also some people you may know that are financially free and not in just the like cheesy commercial of the guy fixing the boat in the beach in Jamaica or whatever, um, who's got financial freedom, but like a freedom where your debt doesn't own you. It doesn't whisper to you when you're trying to fall asleep, like you'll never get out from underneath me. You'll never like all those things. And what does it look like? And that doesn't mean extravagance. That might mean we are going to be you know compared to certain homes in our neighborhood or for us our vehicles are get the job done kind of cars they're not our minivan is always the worst minivan in the parking lot and it has hand crank windows but that thing has has a lot of kilometers to go because we got it from Jacqueline's grandmother and she had barely driven it so we're just going to be stuck driving this incredibly great for our budget minivan for a while still to go and so but I just what does it look like when money doesn't own you what does it look like when your stuff doesn't own you and I think finances is just yet another really critical area in our life and in our faith and our flourishing to have freedom in and that, that does come literally connected to debt. And yes, there's mortgage debt and there's consumer debt, but really when our cash flow, like our money in versus money out, doesn't work monthly, doesn't work annually, there's no way you can't function with that stress weighing you down on your shoulders. You feel it physically and emotionally. 
And so for us to say, yeah. So rather than being like, that's a thing I can never get out from underneath of, I really think that God longs for our flourishing, including our freedom, for us to get out from under whatever we're ensnared in, whether that's overtly from the enemy or really practically and tangibly with our finances. So I just, I'm so grateful we've leaned in. As you can tell, we have a ways to go. We were at 78,000 and now we're at 58,000 in debt. But seeing that progress and that freedom, we have a taste for it. When we paid off that first debt, that first uh, line of credit, which was on March 31st. So it took from starting in October to March 31st to see the first one go. Gave us this taste of, oh, now I, I can sniff freedom. It's like, it's a possible reality. Let's go. And so that's why I just encourage people who are, who are listening to have a, a let's go feeling that God can really, no matter what your numbers are, no matter how scary and intimidating it is, he can really partner with you to let you see a level of freedom that he he wants to overwhelm you in a joyful way with. Preach. Uh, well, that was such a great way to end. And, you know, we were happy to share all full transparency, the numbers, all the things, because um, I know that as we share our story, um, it can give you hope. It can give you vision, give you some momentum in your own um, financial journey. So, Trusting this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Thanks for joining me here, Brendan. My pleasure. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, but I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, think they could use this encouragement can I ask you to share this episode with them with one person when I listen to podcasts on my phone there are three little dots at the bottom right and I click there to share also can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something but when someone shares something with me I am never bothered often it is the exact thing I needed to hear so if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.